Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 71 for the week ending Monday, August 22nd, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andy Demasugu, glad you could join me. Be sure to stick around because later on in today's episode, I'll be chatting with Scott Lyons of the Ford Motor Company. Now, Scott leads Ford's Sync AppLink European business and the partner development initiative within Ford Connected Vehicle and services organization now he spoke to me about ford's plans to produce a fully autonomous vehicle by 2021 as well as about the mobility challenge they're backing in morocco to promote innovation in the country's long-standing ride-sharing scene but before we get to all that we'll cover the week's news headlines which include econet wireless's plans to roll out shine's network level mobile ad blocking service for all its subscribers across the continent uh, the ugandan government's plan to roll out wireless internet across the country's capital kampala and the Rwandese government's plans to use zipline drones to deliver blood and health supplies to hard-to-reach rural communities. That's all coming up, but do remember that if you've missed any of our past episodes, you can catch up anytime you like by clicking through to africantechroundup.com. Also, we'd love to hear from you, so do give us a shout on Twitter at African Roundup or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. And of course, if you'd like to contribute to the show, you can write us an email or send us an audio note via hello at africantechroundup.com. Now, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by our Quick Chats podcast series, which features brief and some not-so-brief conversations with leading pros working the trenches of Africa's tech scene. Think startup founders, VC players, C-suite executives, and others offering insights on what it's like to operate at the coalface of Africa's innovation scene. Now, to listen, simply head to our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com forward slash African Tech Roundup and click on the Quick Chats playlist. Now, before we get into this week's news, I need to correct something I said in last week's episode, where I covered the fact that one of Andela's co-founders, Ian Aboyeji, was leaving the startup to start a company called Flutterwave. Now, my bad for giving the impression that it's a money remittance service, when in fact, it's a payment startup that aims to make it easier to process credit card and local alternative payments, uh, you know, to help global companies and merchants keen on getting in on Nigeria's domestic e-commerce scene do so with ease. Now, thanks to all of you fat checkers out there, keeping me all the way truthful keeping me all the way truthful i really do love it when you guys don't let anything slip by and now for this week's first story, Econet Wireless, which has 40 million subscribers on the continent, has announced that they'll be deploying Shine's ad blocking software across all its operational regions, starting with Zimbabwe. Now, although there's no firm time frame on planned rollouts in other countries, it's said that the service will also run in Burundi, South Africa and Lesotho. Now, this is Shine's first deployment in Africa and its third publicly announced deal following partnerships they've struck with the likes of the Caribbean mobile operator Digicel and the three group in the UK and Italy. Now, Shine's deal with Econet delivers the largest potential reach for Shine thus far. The service will see ad blocking turned on by default for all subscribers on the Econet network with the promise of quicker loading and cleaner web pages free from unsolicited ads. Now, Shine's network level ad blocking does not currently target native ads, though the company claims that it does have the ability to block native ads on platforms like Facebook. Now, given the inhibitive cost of data on the continent, I reckon this is definitely good news for African consumers, but it's yet another headache for digital agencies out there, as well as online marketers looking to advertise on the web. We'll be watching very closely to see how this pans out.
Now, moving along, the number of technology hubs across Africa has doubled in less than a year. At least this is according to a recent report by the GSMA's Ecosystem Accelerator. Now, the report attributes this growth to an increase in the number of investors and innovators who are growing local startup ecosystems beyond the continent's most notable tech communities. The report also recognizes the efforts of entrepreneurs, telecoms operators, and large tech firms who seem to be driving the growth of tech industries on the continent. Apparently, a total of 314 tech hubs and incubators were identified on the continent, which is more than double the number of hubs identified by the World Bank last year. Now, while this could be a result of different metrics, it could signify an upward trend in startup incubations, which I'd say is a positive sign. Given the rough year that hubs had in 2015, uh, you might recall there were several high-profile closures in that space, including Zimbabwe's Hypercube, uh, the Impact Hub in Johannesburg. You might also recall 88 miles per hour, uh, another incubator with spaces in Nairobi, Cape Town and Lagos announced that it was taking a break from investing in any new startup. So it was definitely a tough year. And so, like I said before, I guess here's to hoping that that number uh, signifies a trend towards growth. It certainly all remains to be seen. Next up, in arguably the most gutsy platform launch of the past week, online car dealership Africar Group has started operations in 12 African countries, targeting markets with low competition in the online car classifieds industry. Not a bad move. Now, Africar wants to connect local sellers with individual and corporate buyers in order to increase car sales and cut down on the middlemen uh, involved in the process as well as, you know, reduce selling times. Now, they also have plans to launch mobile apps for both Android and iOS devices. Now, they've made the interesting choice of going with different brands in different countries. Now, they go by Car Sugu in Burkina Faso, Car Slowo in Benin, Car Gebea in Ethiopia, Car Yanga in Malawi, Mobili in Mali, Car Yange in Namibia, Car Isoko in Rwanda, Gadi in Somalia, Kartsenga in Swaziland, Kasuk in Chad, Kakibanda in Uganda, and Kayandi in Zambia. Now, the Africa Group has reportedly secured seed funding from unnamed Australian and European VCs, and they plan to use this funding to build teams in the various countries to gain traction. In the long term, they plan to grow into the biggest car classifieds network on the continent. Uh, you know, they have aspirations to allow users to trade vehicles with users of the platform in neighboring countries, and that they expect to happen in the next two years. Quite ambitious. We wish them all the best. To Rwanda now, where medical personnel in that country will soon be able to use unmanned aerial vehicles to deliver medical supplies and collect samples, thanks to a joint venture by the UPS Foundation, Zipline, the Vaccine Alliance, and the Rwandese government. Now, UPS says that the drones, which were delivered to Rwanda last week, can make up to 150 deliveries of blood to 21 transfusing facilities every single day. Now, Rwanda's drone delivery network is going to focus on delivering blood at first, but they certainly hope to include vaccines, uh, things like treatments for HIV and AIDS, malaria and tuberculosis in, in due course. Now, the UPS Foundation has awarded an 800,000 US dollar grant to support the initial launch of this initiative in Rwanda. This is very encouraging news. Uh, lots to feel good about as far as this is concerned. I know that Malawi has certainly led the way in terms of experimenting with what drones can do in terms of delivering uh, medical supplies. Uh, and indeed, in the case of Malawi, blood samples from rural areas in Malawi to laboratories in the urban areas. It's really nice to see this trend catching on in other parts of the continent. Big up, big up, Rwanda.
to Uganda now, where the country's ICT minister, Frank Tumwebaze, has announced a plan to roll out free wireless internet in Kampala starting in October 2016. Now, the Ugandan government, through the National Information Technology Authority, NITA, plans to provide free Wi-Fi in Kampala uh, using the existing fiber national backbone infrastructure. Now, Kampala already has a fiber backbone thanks to Google's Project Link, which supplies connectivity through ISPs such as Roke in the country. But it's also worth noting that speeds on that network are currently capped at only about one megabyte per second, and coverage is, is currently limited to the central part of the city of Kampala. Now, anyone living in Kampala ought to take note as well that free Wi-Fi will be available between 6 in the evening and 6 in the morning come October. That's not bad, and um, it's certainly a great start. Um, Hat tip to the Ugandan government for for doing that. This trend towards connected cities is a big deal, and we're glad to see Kampala taking it seriously. Let us know how you like it when it comes online, guys. Now, meanwhile, Ugandan education officials have called for the closure of 63 nurseries and primary schools run by the Bridge International Academies, uh, also known as BIA. Now, they're a for-profit school chain that offers internet-based education in developing countries. Now, Janet Museveni, uh, Uganda's Minister of Education and, of course, the wife of the Ugandan President, Yoweri Museveni, told lawmakers last week that um, after inspecting the facilities of Bridge International Schools, she's found that they have poor infrastructure, that their hygiene and sanitation standards are shocking and, quote, put the life and safety of school children in danger. Now, Bridge International was, of course, founded in Kenya in 2008. They have since received funding from Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Pierre Omidia, the World Bank, the education company Pearson, as well as the United States and the United Kingdom directly. They offer education to, to poor families for as little as $6 per month per pupil, and they deliver lessons to classrooms via tablets, smartphones, and other tools. Now, they say that their mission is to bring education to poor communities uh, in places like the, the poorest parts of Africa and certainly Asia. Now, when they first came online in 2008, they were celebrated as, as a very ambitious solution to, you know, the developing world's lack of education resources. Now, Uganda, Kenya and Liberia host hundreds of bridge international schools, uh, but of late... Unfortunately, those schools have been getting a bad rap. They've been accused of hiring uh, poorly trained teachers, uh, using facilities that are less than adequate uh, in order to keep costs low. Uh, people are saying that the, the, the teaching plans are far too scripted and, and certainly do not meet the basic requirements of, of education in the countries where they've rolled out. And then there are other critics who have criticized what they consider the company's trend towards the privatization and outsourcing of education in general. Now, last year, over 100 organizations in Kenya and Uganda signed a statement criticizing the World Bank's support of these schools. Now, in response to this latest wave of criticism in Uganda, Bridge International has come out saying that they're sincerely concerned about uh, the Ugandan government, quote, threatening to force 12,000 Bridge children out of school and 800 Ugandans out of work. I have no doubt that this issue is far from over. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on this one for you.
To Nigeria next, where the country's Securities and Exchange Commission has decided to outlaw crowdfunding for business purposes. Now, the country's Director General of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, Munir Guazo, has come out saying that he's aware of the growing interest among Nigerians to use crowdfunding to raise business funds, but that the practice currently violates certain provisions of the Companies and Allied Matters Act, as well as the Investment and Securities Act. Now, he's claimed that the government is looking for ways to go about uh, amending these statutes in such a way that will effectively regulate crowdfunding for business entities. But, you know, one has to sympathize with lawmakers in this modern age. They have to protect the public from rogue elements that seek to use technology to harm people in unprecedented ways, while at the same time doing their best not to stand in the way of progress and innovation. It's a tough job. And, you know, that said, it's hard not to see how this pronouncement disadvantages Nigerian business innovators who might have used crowdfunding to accelerate their progress. Uh, I guess here's to hoping the government does its best to enact laws that will make crowdfunding for business purposes possible sooner rather than later, and that this posturing on the part of government in Nigeria isn't aimed at hindering democratization uh, or designed to protect the financial services industry from disruption. And finally, it's been a big week for the global self-driving and ride-sharing industries. It's all turning into a space race of sorts, with tech firms and car manufacturers all scrambling to dominate the growing ride-sharing market, as well as get unmanned vehicles on the road before all the other competitors. Now, Just over a week ago, GM's failed attempt to acquire Lyft made headlines. And now there are rumors that Uber might want to buy Lyft. But you know what? It's the announcements made this week by Uber and Volvo, as well as Ford, that I think truly took the game to the next level. Now, first is Uber that announced its plans to start testing driverless ride sharing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the U.S., Now, this is set to happen in the next few weeks. So the plan is when Uber riders hail a cab in that city, they could very well be sent a driverless Volvo XC90 to pick them up uh, in order to be ferried to their destination all for free. Now, this experiment forms part of Uber's $300 million project to launch autonomous Volvos in Pittsburgh, and it's being co-founded by both Uber and Volvo. It's no doubt the most aggressive implementation of autonomous driving so far, especially when you compare it to the modest commitment made by Ford last week to produce a fully autonomous vehicle by 2021. Now, it's worth noting that for Uber and Volvo's pilot project in Pittsburgh, a person will still be sitting in the driver's seat, ready to take over in case the computer fails. I suppose the last thing they want is for their cars to lead to injury or death, a la Google car or Tesla. Now, in this week's discussion segment, though, I chatted to Scott Lyons of the Ford Motor Company. Now, Scott leads Ford's Sync AppLink European business and the partner development initiative within the Ford Connected Vehicle and Services Organization. Now, we chatted about Ford's plans to produce a fully autonomous vehicle by 2021. I asked Scott to share what he makes of the disruptive influence of tech firms like Google and Uber on the traditional car manufacturing business. And I asked him what strategic thinking went into choosing Morocco as the place to sponsor a mobility challenge to promote innovation in the ride-sharing scene. Take a listen. Scott Lyons, welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. What exactly do you do at Ford? I have a really unique role at the moment in terms of what I do. So my focus is, 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 is very much targeted towards working with startups. So because we have a, a technology called AppLink, that allows basically smartphone, uh, smartphones to connect to our vehicles. And for applications that live on those smartphones that are appropriate to use while driving, those can actually now tap into vehicle data to our uh, embedded voice rec engine that's in the vehicle itself. 
and allow the driver to interact with certain applications, like for example, Spotify, to say, I want this playlist, I want that playlist, to use the touchscreen on our, in our devices, uh, in our, sorry, in our vehicles to um, deliver certain experiences. So it's quite a, a unique approach in terms of how we work with developers. So I'm, I'm focused on engagement within that space. Now, I know you're based in Berlin. How intimately involved are you with the tech and innovation communities on the African continent? Well, at this point, not enough. Um, I, I really am looking towards um, engaging more with uh, specifically with startups within the South Africa market next year. What we've been doing over the last couple of years, and I've been at Ford now for about three and a half years, is we've been focused on building up our ecosystem within the European market. And now that that ecosystem is kind of, let's say, established, we're now looking towards other markets, which include South Africa. So you'll definitely be seeing more of me next year when I'll be spending some time there. Right. Now, in the wake of Lyft turning down GM's offer to buy them a short while ago, there's some um, yeah, fairly exciting news that Ford announced this past week regarding not one, not two, or even three acquisitions, but four corporate purchases aimed at making Ford afford to be reckoned with, not just in the ride-sharing industry, but in the um, driverless uh, car space. And so uh, that's presumably to keep the pesky folks at Google and Apple from getting there first, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Google and Apple obviously are, are, are kind of going down their space and, and certainly wouldn't want to comment on anything that they're doing. But as you as you rightly pointed out, there's a lot of, of activity in this area. So the announcement that we made last week um, focused on a couple of investments, but also an acquisition in Israel. So it's basically a mix of different things that, that we announced. But, but clearly, everything that we're doing at the moment is very focused on delivery uh, you know, to our strategy. So I think it's a really exciting um, space at the moment in terms of what our announcement focused on. You know, level four you know, SAE level four capable vehicles that were, you know, that will literally deliver kind of ride hailing or ride sharing services is really, I would say, a major step. And what I kind of like to say is, is that, you know, obviously the automotive industry has been disrupted by a lot of startups and a lot of new entrants into this space. But now it's time for us to disrupt the automotive industry and to kind of step way ahead now and basically put a, a real you know, foot in the ground to say, hey, listen, in five years' time, 2021, we plan to have this available. I think that's a pretty, pretty big move on our part. And is this driverless car craze the new space race for the car manufacturing industry, do you think? Well, I mean, of course, it's a really big topic. I get asked about it all the time, and, and I think it's, it's, it's clearly of interest to a lot of people because it's always been considered to be this futuristic Jetsons-style experience. And now that it's actually coming to fruition and it's actually within, you know, a five year time span, I think does make it um, something that's within reach uh, and that people can now start to really fathom. I could actually get into this vehicle and be driven. Um, I mean, the fact that, you know, we've announced that the, the vehicle that we're targeting here will not have pedals, will not have uh, a steering wheel, I think kind of blows some people's minds. And that's really exciting. You guys recently launched a mobility challenge in Morocco, um, yes. looking to to shake up their ride-sharing space. Tell me a little bit about why you chose to test 
your ideas around that in North Africa, specifically Morocco? Well, so, um, and unfortunately, I've never been to Morocco, but I, I've always wanted to go. It's definitely on my target list. But from what I understand, you know, based in, 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 in uh, the Moroccan um, kind of space of, of how people get around, you know, a lot of people actually share taxis, from what I understand. And that you could actually conceivably get into a car and there could be three different taxi meters in one car. The guy would wait for more people to, to be picked up and then off you'd go. And so I think what we're looking at doing is, is saying, well, does that actually benefit the, 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 the customer? Does it actually, you know, from a financial perspective, um, give them the best possible deal? And it is also, is it actually very effective in terms of getting you from point A to point B in the quickest and, you know, shortest amount of time? So we decided to focus on Morocco because... You know, we think that there's an audience there that's interested in, 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 in obviously doing this. And clearly there is a number of, of entrepreneurs in that space that may want to disrupt that whole area. And so what we're doing is giving um, these developers a platform to potentially bring their ideas to fruition, obviously through the competition, but also through the different prizes that we have offering money and other types of things. I mean, ultimately, you know, these challenges that we do, and we've done them around the world. In fact, we have one coming up also in Berlin in early September, an AppLink Mobility Challenge, is to really give developers a platform to showcase what their technology is all about, but also have the possibility of working with Ford. So we like to say that, hey, you know, there are a number of different outcomes for participating in these challenges. Of course, there's, there's the opportunity to win money. But secondly, there's also the opportunity to potentially, of course, work with Ford, be acquired by Ford, simply um, license their technology to us or simply just work with us and bring their, their technology out um, into that particular market. So clearly a, a very good opportunity for developers in the, mark, in the Moroccan area. I think generally, you know, um, the, the, the African market is super interesting for us. And I think, you know, based on the fact that, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at mobility as kind of the growth engine for Africa. And, um, you know, this concept of sharing, you know, makes a lot of sense. We've obviously announced a number of different initiatives there in terms of our experiments, um, which I think really do prove a point that, you know, Africa is a very important market for us and will continue to be so for the foreseeable future. And so what do you say to people who are skeptical about Ford's ability to innovate fast enough or at least keep up with the likes of Uber and Lyft, who are not just content to sit back and, and own ride sharing as an industry, but sort of encroach on a business that's traditionally been left up to to biggies like you guys and, and GM and, and all the other major manufacturers? Sure. I mean, listen, I, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to speak on any of their behalfs, but I, I can only give you the perspective from the Ford side of, the, of, of where we are. So I think generally um, there's obviously a lot of disruption, as I mentioned before, that's happening in this space. I think that's really, really good for everybody. I think ultimately, you know, people uh, and, and different companies like Lyft, GM, uh, Uber, etc., are really pushing the boundaries, and I think that that's great. I think what we will all end up doing is obviously learning about what's happening within that area, and and simply either you know take a couple of steps forward, learn what's happening, and and obviously deliver. The the, the key thing here, which I think separates you know Ford and the and the traditional OEMs from some of the companies that you mentioned like like Lyft, Uber, etc. is that we actually manufacture our own vehicles and that we have a long history obviously of manufacturing. 
And therefore, I think given the resources that we have available to us, the technology and the talent that we've got, I mean, listen, what's important to understand is that we've been developing this technology for a really long time. I mean, for example, we've been working on autonomous vehicles for more than a decade. Uber and Lyft weren't around a decade ago, as far as I'm aware. I suppose some people might argue that's the very reason why um, you might be challenged in this area, perhaps uh, not moving fast enough. But I mean, I'll, I'll grant you, it's becoming apparent that these companies probably underestimated the extent to which they'd need the skills you guys have in order to roll out a solution as quickly as perhaps they thought they might. Uh, but, you know, my question to you, I guess, is uh, what sort of discussions do you have as Ford in, in, in your boardrooms around uh, the potential of other corporates who dominate uh, areas outside of your core uh, happily encroaching on yours? Like, what is your attitude towards them? Is it we'll out-innovate them, or is it we expect that our advantage uh, in terms of distribution and competencies as manufacturers is going to make it that much harder to be disrupted completely? What, what's your attitude in that regard? I, I think generally, and again, I, I don't participate in our board meetings, unfortunately, so I can't give you any insight there. However, I, I can give you the perspective that generally our view is, is that you know, companies that are stepping into this space um, are certainly welcome. Um, and, and obviously there's a lot of innovation that's happening. And I think that, that clearly we're all, as I said before, kind of learning from each other in terms of, of, of what needs to happen to deliver this experience. I mean, generally what's happening at the moment in terms of the startup space, I mean, looking at our acquisition in Israel, for example, you know, that company is really exciting in terms of what they deliver. I mean, a number of the, 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 the announcements that we made last week I think paint a very, very good picture in terms of where we're going and how fast we're able to innovate. And that's one of the reasons why we created Ford Smart Mobility LLC. You know, that, that organization is meant to move very fast uh, and, and it's been set up specifically to do that. We've obviously acknowledged as a company that, that we need that type of environment and that type of company setup to move very fast because, of course, we're competing against companies that are obviously able to move extremely fast. So I don't really have concerns that we're missing the boat, that, that, that we can't keep up, because I think, as you, as you rightly point out, our distribution, our brand, our heritage, the number of people that are knocking on our door saying, we want to work with Ford, um, and obviously also the, 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 the fact that Ford are able to have people like myself working there who actually don't come from the automotive industry. I, you know, I came from Motorola, um, I started my career out at MTV in New York. So, you know, I come from a very different background, but Ford has acknowledged that they need people like me and others um, to obviously take us to the next step of where we need to go. So I think that's a, that's a, a pure acknowledgement. And I think that's a really, really exciting thing for the company to be doing. And so let, let me, let's address, uh, perhaps if you can, address some of the security concerns that um, uh, a lot of the uh, television series we all watch <laughs> are bringing to the fore. I think of things <laughs> like Mr. Robot. And, <laughs> and I'm a big fan of Mr. Robot. I, I'm a big fan of that show. I watch it every week. <laughs> it, it got a little dark for me after like the second or third episode. So um, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, talk, talk about some of the concerns people might have. And I think they, um, you, you, I suppose even you have to admit that they're not unfounded. This, this concern that uh, the Internet of Things is is likely to usher in an unprecedented amount of security concerns that perhaps we haven't even started 
harder to think about. And perhaps hopefully by 2021, when your first car pulls out, if you guys uh, manage to, to, to do that, uh, hopefully some of those issues are, are addressed. But what would you say to someone who's totally cynical about a future that involves cars that are, are run by, by artificial intelligence and machine learning? Well, I, I don't, again, this is not my area of expertise and I wouldn't want to go too deep into that topic. The only thing I can state is obviously what, what we've stated publicly, which obviously is we take this, we take security incredibly seriously. And obviously we're doing everything that we possibly can to make sure that our systems are as, are as secure as possible. I mean, I think any OEM would be saying the same thing. And I think we're obviously looking at working with, with companies that are very focused within that space to help boost our, our, our cybersecurity um, uh, credentials. And I think you'll probably see a lot more from us in that space. Um, but that's all I'd really want to talk about today. I think if someone's purely skeptical in that area, there's probably not much that we can do to change their minds. But I think ultimately we're doing everything that we possibly can to make sure that our systems are as secure as possible. Maybe a sponsorship of Mr. Robot might uh, alleviate the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I just want to Perhaps. ask really quickly, you alluded to it. Um, you've got an interesting corporate history. Um, uh, you started out, uh, well, certainly spent time at uh, MTV in New York. Uh, later on, a lot of agency experience uh, at one of the world's, if not the world's largest um, uh, advertising conglomerate, WPP, then Motorola, and then later Ford. What would you say is the golden thread is, as far as your career is concerned, and what has led you to where you are right now in terms of uh, your role at Ford? So I think I, I, I'm able to come and look at things from a very different perspective because, as you say, I have a really varied history of, of where I've come from. So, you know, being able to have, have worked within the music industry very early on, moving into webcasting when, when um, broadband was very new, uh, and then obviously moving into, into online advertising, which at the time was also quite new. So I think there is definitely um, several steps if you look at where I've come from, that I've always kind of been involved in things that have kind of been on the edge of of becoming very big, very big and very mainstream. So, you know, when I was at Motorola, for example, I was there for the launch when we decided to start adopting Android. And in fact, was was, of course, you know, out there pushing Android. And if you can believe it, a lot of the developers that I was speaking to were kind of like Android. Is that really going to be a big thing? Seems to be we only live in an iOS world. So, you know, I, I guess the reason I decided to, to, to kind of make a switch and move in, into automotive is simply because it made sense. You know, what's happening within the automotive industry is incredibly interesting. And certainly the standards and the, and the things that we're working on right now, I think, are going to set the stage for the foreseeable future. And I find that to be incredibly attractive. So I think that's what's attracting a lot of people to come to the automotive industry like myself. Now, that was Scott Lyons of the Ford Motor Company. The recent acquisitions and strategic partnerships secured by Ford that he referenced in our chat are the Silicon Valley-based light detection tech company Velodyne, the Israeli computer vision and machine learning startup SAIPS, the machine vision startup Nirenberg Neuroscience LLC, which, of course, Ford has an exclusive licensing agreement with, and the California-based 3D mapping startup Civil Maps. So clearly Ford's not content to sit around and be disrupted, that's for sure. But uh, to provide a little more context around the mobility challenge Ford is sponsoring in Morocco, here's a quick chat I had with the head of corporate and internal communications for Ford Middle East and Africa, Proud Jit Jojan. She shed even more light on why Morocco might be the perfect place to innovate around ride-sharing and how sharing her travel experience to the country with her teammates at Ford led to the company's decision to act. 
Take a listen. In a recent trip to Morocco, um, enlightened you and your team to an interesting ride-sharing culture that's in, that's existed in Morocco for for many many years. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I actually um, was you know fortunate to had a chance to visit Morocco earlier this year on business trip, and during my visit, um, I got into you know taxis, um, you know just kind of going around um, the city and. Um, I found out that um, they they in Morocco that has been like a long time ride sharing culture in Morocco. So I got into a taxi, got into a fight with the cab drivers because he obviously like stopped and pick up other passengers along the way, um, and I was you know refusing <laughs> to pay. <laughs> I was refusing to pay like you know the full fare, and then he was telling me, look. Ma'am, here's how it works in Morocco and, and also in other parts of, Af- of Africa. It's not only in Morocco, apparently. So he told me that in his meter, you can press like one, which is for passenger one, and two for passenger two, and three for passenger three. So the fare is really depending, you know, upon like, you know, when you're being picked up and when you're actually getting out. I didn't believe him. I actually went back to the hotel, asked, you know, the hotel manager, and they were laughing at me. <laughs> I see. And so this idea uh, sparked what would later become uh, Ford's uh, idea to, to challenge app builders in Morocco to create a more sophisticated solution around this, right? Yeah. So at Ford, we already have um, a number of projects um, around mobility solution. So one of them is Innovate Mobility um, Challenge, which we run around the world, and, and we have been doing this, you know, um, in, in 15 countries already. And um, this is the first time that we're doing something in Morocco. So I found, um, you know, the share writing culture in Morocco and in Africa very fascinating in a way that this has been a long time. You know, it has been existing for quite a long time, even before the birth of Uber and Lyft, right? So Africa has been doing this even before anywhere else in the world and any other region. Yeah, so I thought that it would be good for us from a Ford perspective to actually learn about um, what do they do in, in Africa, especially like they just use, you know, just basic simple technology um, in, in a taxi and, and it still enables share writing culture, um, you know, for the population here. and. I, I, I kind of figured that it could be a better solution for people, especially for passengers like me, to actually pick, you know, the, uh, the companies who I want to ride with. Um, and also in, in Morocco, you know, there's a lot of, um, if you are a woman, right, like you actually want to be able to share the ride with other women passenger, female passengers. So I thought that it could be a good idea to actually have something uh, to help passengers, you know, to pick their own company for the ride. So finally, I, 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 I'm curious about the entrepreneurial uh, culture that sounds like it exists at Ford, where um, someone like you could be on a trip to Morocco, discover an interesting trend, take it back um, uh, and share it with, uh, you know, with your colleagues. And then from that, uh, you know, an idea spawned to sort of harness a trend that could potentially become something special. Talk, talk me through the, the process around uh, an idea becoming an actual initiative on the ground as far as Ford's concerned. Absolutely. So, I mean, at Ford, innovations is actually, you know, driving in, in every part of our business. And I mean, 
Um, our CEO, Mark Fields, always, you know, encourage all of us employees, whether you, you know, whether your job is where you are sitting, um, to actually think outside of the box and looking into, you know, everything that we can to innovate, you know, and, and move along the curve of, of the innovation. So for me, I think this is something, you know, really cool working for Ford. Like I got onto a business trip. I found something really like, you know, fascinating. I came back, told my colleagues in the U.S., and they were interested, and, and we were like, okay, you know what, we can actually learn so much about this. Um, and I think, you know, everyone um, at Ford is actually feeling the same way, like, like, I, like I do, um, that we can always bring um, the personal experience that we found and, and share with the team, and then that might become, you know, something big. Many, many thanks to both Scott Lyons and Proud Jit Georgian um, of the Ford Motor Company. Now, remember that Ford's mobility challenge to create apps to help Morocco's taxi drivers fill seats and indeed to help passengers enjoy faster, safer and more cost-efficient shared rides is open to coders from anywhere in the world. To get more information and to participate, head to codeforcabs.devpost.com. That's code, the number four, cabs. .devpost.com. Now there's $15,000 up for grabs and if that sounds worth the trouble to you, be sure to sign up. And so once again, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by our Quick Chats podcast series, which features brief and some not so brief conversations with leading pros working the trenches of Africa's tech and innovation scene. They're all waiting for you to discover on our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Just click on the Quick Chats playlist when you get there. And so that's the week's show, folks. Catch the show again next week, Monday, on africantechroundup.com at 9 a.m. Central African time. Safe travels to those of you attending Demo Africa 2016 at the Santon Convention Center in Joburg, South Africa, later this week. Can't wait to meet you there. I'm looking forward to rubbing shoulders with the likes of Vinnie Lingham, Tommy Davies, uh, Aaron Fu, Amrote Abdullah, and others like them. Be sure to say hey if you're in the hood. Uh, but until next time, this is Andile Masugu signing off. Take it easy, Africa.